Tavis Smiley, you're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. Our phone number 1-800-920-1580, 1-800-920-1580. We are deeply saddened around uh, here today, given the passing, the transition of the now late great Harry Belafonte at 96 years of age this morning at his home in New York City. Uh, but uh, we got work to do. And as Mr. B would certainly understand, the show must go on again tomorrow on this program in our third hour, an entire hour, in tribute to Mr. B with all kinds of audio clips and other reflections and would have guests calling in, I am certain, tomorrow in our third hour to celebrate uh, the life and legacy of the one and only uh, Harry Belafonte. In this hour, though, two conversations. On the B side, uh, we will celebrate April as Black History, uh, Black Women's History Month. We've already been celebrating that. Celebrating that. I should say we'll continue celebrating uh, April as Black Women's History Month. A conversation with the founding president of the D.C. chapter of the National Coalition of 100 Black Women, Eris Scales, on the backside of this hour. We commence this hour, though, with this. The difference between your job security and your career security. What is, for that matter, career security and how do you cultivate it? We unpack that right now uh, with career strategy specialist Phoebe Gavin. Phoebe, good to have you on the program. How are you today? I'm doing great. So glad to be here. Thanks for having me. It's a great delight to have you on. Thank you for this time that we have to un- unpack uh, this distinction between job security and career security. And again, what we can do to, to better cultivate it. Um, let me just jump right in watching my time between now and the bottom of the hour. Um, what is the distinct difference as you see it between job security and career security? So job security, often people are thinking about it in terms of what is happening with the company. Does the company need this job? Am I doing this job well enough for it to stick around? Is this the job the kind of jo- is this job the kind of job that sticks around? And career security is about you and what you do to invest in yourself and to set yourself up for success to have a more resilient career. Because if things happen at the company, they will get rid of your job, even if you're really good at it. But if you have a very resilient career, then you're going to have the savings, the network, and the skill to be able to bounce back regardless of what an individual company does. I assume, Phoebe, that we everyday people, we American workforce, uh, have a great deal more to say about the latter than the former. That is to say, we have more to say about career security, more that can be said or done about that than the former job security. Yes? No? Absolutely. Job security is something that we think about a lot because we are conditioned to think about it. We are conditioned to think that if we are loyal to our companies and we work hard for our companies and we do right for our companies, that they will do the same for us. And so we are conditioned to think about job security first. But career security makes more sense to focus on because it's within your control. You can't control whether your company keeps your job or not, but you can control whether you invest in yourself. Mm. What do you make of this notion, this uh, this uh, feeling that many uh, fellow citizens have, to your point of a moment ago, Phoebe, that we don't live in an America anymore where our jobs really care about us? I would counter the idea that that was ever the case. At yeah. the end of the day, we live in a capitalist system, and capitalism exists 
to make money for shareholders, whoever those shareholders are. And if we go back through history, we have had labor movements over and over and over again to combat the idea that these companies exploit our labor to make as much money as possible. And we've made a great deal of progress and there's a great more progress to be done. But part of the progress is within ourselves and starting to think differently about how we build a career. Mm. I'm thinking now, um, speaking of building careers and the fact that the uh, that employers don't seem so much to care about us these days, and to your point, maybe never did. Um, we had a conversation on this program last week um, about the the millennial generation, and talking to an expert that pointed out that uh, that these millennials in their lifetime are expected to have somewhere between fifteen and twenty four jobs, as I recall. They will have somewhere between fifteen and 24 jobs in their career. It didn't used to be that way. I suspect it is in part that way because uh, we have to look out for ourselves because we know, as Michael Jackson once said, they don't really care about us. That's right. And a part of the reason why millennials like myself have are more willing to move from employer to employer is because we are starting to reject the idea that we should be loyal to our employers and that we should be grateful for our jobs and that we should do the best that we can for our company. We are rejecting that because we are having more opportunities to connect with each other and realize that that way of designing a career doesn't actually serve us. And we're seeing the generations coming in behind us being even more activated around making sure that their career is in service of them just as much as it is in service of the companies they work for. Mm-hmm. Unpack that for me. When you say we, we should be more concerned uh, about careers that are in service of ourselves than in service to them, what does that mean exactly? So a company is going to hire a position because they need to solve a problem that's going to make them money. And they will get rid of that com- that uh, position or they might get rid of an individual within a position if they don't feel like that problem is being solved. If we switch that around, we can think about a job being something that's meant to solve a problem in our lives. It's supposed to certainly pay us, but maybe it helps us move to a different place or it helps us access childcare better or access healthcare better. Maybe it helps us have better work-life balance. Those are problems that we want to solve in our own lives. And if we're choosing jobs based on whether it solves problems in our own lives versus whether we can solve problems for our companies, we're going to build careers that are more in service of us. Now, certainly the company still needs to believe that the position is solving problems that help them save money or help them make money. That is the exchange. We give our labor in exchange for money, but we also need to be getting more out of work than just money because often we're not even getting enough of that. Mm. A point well taken. And uh, as, as we said in the black church, amen to that. Uh, when we come forward with our guest in this hour, Phoebe Gavin, uh, we will talk more about um, career security and specifically what you can do to cultivate it. Uh, and I want to also uh, get Phoebe uh, to sound off on, on the following, and that is the distinction between a job versus finding your calling, your vocation. It seems to me that ultimately searching for a job isn't really what life is about anyway. It ultimately ought to be about, it seems to me, finding your way into your calling, into your vocation. Why were you uniquely placed here on planet Earth? We'll talk about that and a great deal more when we come forward with uh, this strategy uh, expert, uh, Phoebe Gavin, who you're listening to right now on KBLA Talk 15. Indeed, it does with Phoebe Gavin, who is our guest in this hour. She is a career coach, speaker, trainer, specializing in career strategy, negotiation, and empathetic leadership. She's the founder of her own consulting company called Better with Phoebe, where she provides career coaching and consultation 
recently featured in the Netflix documentary, Take Your Pills, Xanax. I am pleased to have Phoebe Gavin on this program. Phoebe, I said a moment ago that I wanted to get your uh, take, uh, as I as I will now, on this notion um, that I advanced of what life is ultimately really about anyway when it comes to our our careers in the workforce. And it seems to me that ultimately, while we're talking in this hour about the distinct difference between job security and career security, that ultimately we're not trying to find a job. I mean, we all have we all start out having a job working somewhere uh, as kids, as young people. We start working somewhere. But ultimately, uh, your life's journey, it seems to me, should be about finding your vocation, finding your calling. What say you? I hope it's okay for me to challenge you, Tavis, Please, I disagree. Okay, give it to me. I think that when we conflate the idea of a job or a career and a calling and a vocation, we give power to the companies that say, you should come in early and stay in late because this is your calling, because this is your vocation. Mm -hmm. I think we've sort of almost fetishized the idea that your job should be your passion, that your job should be your vocation or calling. It's okay for your job to be just a job, especially if your job facilitates you pursuing your calling or your vocation outside of work. Sometimes that is the best place for that work outside of work. And it's important for us to give ourselves the option of having a job just be a job when that job makes Space for our calling to be outside of our nine to five. So put simply, you don't see it as either or, but both and. Definitely both. And this is a very important part of my professional journey as well to start thinking about my job being a way for me to make space for giving back to my community in a meaningful way. And when I was in a job where I thought it was aligned with my calling, but it was taking all of my time, it was taking all of my emotional energy, I realized I was completely disconnected from my community because I was giving all of that emotion and all of that energy to my job. And when I switched to a job that was just a job, all of a sudden I had all the this space for my community and for my family and for my friends. And then I felt connected to my vocation. Hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm laughing uh, inwardly because I've never in my 30 plus year career had anybody so politely ask me if they can disagree with me. <laughs> so <laughs> this will go down, this will go down as a part of my, of my broadcast history that somebody actually politely asked me, could they disagree with me on this program? Uh, you are always free to do so. I say all the time at, at our best, this program, and I include myself in this is about challenging folk to reexamine the assumptions they hold at our best. We are trying to get folk to expand their inventory of ideas and see the world through a different prism. That said, I am fortunate that I'm one of those persons whose job is his calling, whose job is his vocation. Uh, but I take your point, and I, I'll let you. I'll let you have that. As, as my friend says, I'll let you have that one. I'll let you have that one. Um, so, <laughs> so, so there you go. Um, you were teeing up something a moment ago that I want to come straight away to right now. Again, watching my time, um, I, I saw a piece that you that you authored once um, about the hard lessons you learned the first time you actually laid off, and I went back. To to, uh, my own career, thinking about the way I felt the first time I was laid off or put another way, pink slipped or put another way, fired, downsized, pick your word. Either way, you got pushed out. Um, unpack what happened to you the first time, what you took, what you took away from it. Yeah, well, the thing that I took away is that there is no 
unemployment insurance like preparation. Mm. I was completely unprepared to be laid off the first time it happened to me, which was back in 2015. And I did not have savings. I hadn't done anything to keep my skills up to date to make sure that I was present in my network. I really hadn't done any of those things. And I got incredibly lucky that a friend of a friend knew a hiring manager who was interested in someone like me. And if that hadn't happened, that very, very lucky break, I don't know how long I would have been unemployed. I was unemployed for three months before I started interviewing for that position. And I had racked up a bunch of credit card debt. It was, I was terrified. And I promised myself I would never let that happen to me again. And that I would be very strategic and thoughtful and intentional about making small investments regularly that would make me more and more resilient in my career. And that definitely paid off for me earlier this year, because we've had this rash of layoffs through all of these companies and industries that you would think would be very safe places to work. And I ended up laid off from one of those companies as well. Mm. We had a we had a great conversation on this program yesterday, Phoebe. Hour two, as I recall, um, a brilliant um, um, psychologist, Dr. Kamani, as I recall. Is that right, right Jay? Yeah. Her name is Dr. Kamani. We had her on yesterday for a full hour. If you missed that conversation, let me encourage you, as I always do, to go check out the podcast of an amazing, I got so many messages yesterday about this conversation. You never know what's going to resonate with people. Uh, but April, as I mentioned earlier, is Black Women's History Month. And we had a conversation with Dr. Kamadi yesterday. Again, check out the podcast of that one-hour conversation yesterday where we talked about uh, the ways in which uh, black women are still stereotyped in the workplace as angry, as combative, as difficult to work with, as confrontational. A full-hour conversation about what black women do when they find themselves in those sort of toxic work environments and they're being pushed back or being put upon in, in a variety of ways and sometimes uh, when they're being bullied by other black women. Well, it was just a rich, rich dialogue yesterday in hour two with Dr. Kamani about, again, uh, the stereotypes that persist in this country about black women in the workplace. Here I come now uh, a day later in this dialogue with Phoebe Gavin, and I want to ask Phoebe now uh, what she says, not just to black women, but to people writ large, all of us listening right now, when we are in a particular place because uh, we're talking again in this in this hour about job security versus career security. What's your advice to folk who, uh, who who may be in an environment right now, a workplace environment where they are feeling all kinds of anxiety, Phoebe? Anxiety is a really difficult emotion, but it's also a natural emotion for us to experience when we feel under threat. And so if you're noticing that you're feeling anxious consistently, it is time for you to start plotting your next move. Mm. Now, your next move could be having a, a boundary setting conversation with folks who are violating your boundaries. And or it could be that your next move could be moving into a different position. But the thing you absolutely must not do is stay quiet stay in one spot, make yourself smaller, hide from the problem, because the problem is not going to get better from you avoiding it. The problem gets better from you taking action. Yeah. Um, how have you uh, dealt with, uh, in your career, because I've had my own struggles with this, um, and I shouldn't say struggles, but I've certainly wrestled with it, uh, and that is this notion of uh, taking personally the fact that you were, in fact, fired, taking personally the fact that you were uh, laid off. How have you navigated that in your career, Phoebe? I think it's important to distinguish between being fired due to a, a perception of performance versus being laid off because the company has decided to downsize. Mm -hmm. If the company has decided to downsize, there is nothing for you to look inward about. It is all about looking forward. 
uh, if a company decides that it is no longer sustainable to keep your job around, that has nothing to do with you. You can be amazing at the work that you do and still have a company decide this job, which is not the same as this person, is not something that we need to continue having in the organization. That has nothing to do with you. And so finding a way to disconnect from it being about you, because it really is not, and instead connecting to the fact that that decision is related to capitalism doing its thing is going to be comforting. However, if you're fired because of a perception of performance, it's worthwhile to do a little bit of introspection and ask, is there anything that I can or should do differently in my next role so that I don't end up in this situation again? It's possible that the answer to that question could be no, but if the answer is yes, you want to take the moment to ask that question so that you can invest in yourself so you don't end up in that situation again. It's very easy for us to fall into the trap of pointing the finger outward automatically from a place of defensiveness, but if from a place of strength, we can look inside ourselves and ask, is there anything that I can do differently? Whether the answer is yes or no, we will be better for have asked. Mm. When it comes then to cultivating career security versus this notion of job security, which really doesn't exist anymore in this uh, in in this country or in any country for that matter, all around the globe, uh, em- employers are putting upon employees in ways they never have. Uh, and the rich get richer and the poor get poor. We know that narrative all too well. But we're talking again about the distinction between job security and career security. When it comes to the latter, um, to your earlier formulation, which I love, looking um, uh, inward versus looking forward, uh, what does one do when one is trying to, again, cultivate career security? Are you starting out by looking inward or are you, are you looking forward? Well, the first place to look is your bank account. The most most powerful thing that you can do to have a resilient career is to have savings Mm -hmm. because one of the, the primary way that our employers force us to tolerate things that we don't want to tolerate is because we don't have an alternative. And if you have savings, even if it's a little bit, that gives you a little bit of an alternative. And so unlearning bad money habits, finding ways to increase your earnings over time, finding ways to make it easy and automatic for you to build savings over time means that you are going to be less shackled to your employer because they won't have as much control over your ability to pay your own bills. So that is the absolute first place to look. The next place is going to be your network. The more people you know and the more people know you, the easier it's going to be for you to access opportunities. And then the last place is your skills. Make sure that you are staying on top of what's happening in your industry, developing yourself professionally, regularly, because when your network uh, brings those opportunities to your door, you want to be in a position to be able to take advantage of them. And if your skills are stale, then people aren't going to want to hire you, even if you get that introduction, even if you get that referral. So all three of those are really important. So the bank account, uh, first step, we all get that. That's pretty uh, pretty straightforward. There's other two issues I want to interrogate right quick, networking and, and skill setting. Uh, on networking, I've been honored over the course of my career because we've been friends for many, many decades to have as a guest on this program, uh, George Fraser, who is uh, the networking guru. I love George and he's given this audience so much great advice uh, in the last couple of years about networking. What say you about how one goes successfully about building growing, expanding their network. I would. Again, I'm going to push back on you maybe a little bit less politely because maybe my mom is not listening. <laughs> the, uh, I, 
I would encourage you to not go directly to expanding because you probably already know a lot of people who would be happy to hear from you, would be happy to help you, who would be not surprised to hear from you. And it's a lot easier, especially if you're feeling that anxiety around networking, to build deeper relationships with people you already know versus reaching out to new connections where it may feel a bit scarier or you might have to do more work, play more of the numbers game to get those connections. And so reconnect with people you haven't spoken to in a while. Don't get in your head about it. Just say, hey, how are you doing? How are things going for you? It's been a while. What are you working on? That's a really great way to start a conversation that could turn into an opportunity. But of course, there does come to a point where you have exhausted the network that you already have, and it's time for you to build toward making that network bigger. And I would encourage you to start with professional associations. Those are a really great place to build your skills, but also to meet new people. And you're also meeting in a context where it makes sense for you to talk to each other. And so it's not going to feel so much like a cold call. And then lastly, there are all sorts of informal online communities on social media where you can connect with other people who are similar to you, who are doing similar work. And that can be another really easy way to connect with people. We got two minutes left in this conversation. Phoebe, you push back one more time. You ain't coming back on this program. You push back one more time. <laughs> uh, you ain't getting invited back. Just just teasing, just teasing. <laughs> so here, whether, whether your mama's listening or not, uh, I still said it. Uh, thirdly, and, and finally here, uh, on the issue of skills, um, what, what is your, your best advice about how one goes about making sure they stay on top of um, their expanding, uh, keeping sharp their skills. I take your point on this because so many of us get into a, uh, into a place of work and we fall into a rut, we fall into a pattern, we fall into a process, uh, and we're not so often engaged in expanding, uh, sharpening our skill set. Les Brown uh, taught a master class on this station in February, every day uh, for the entire month of February. Les was teaching a master class, and he often made the point, Phoebe, about how little we spend of all the things we spend money on, we spend so little on self-improvement, on self-awareness, on self-advancement. So what say you then about how to keep your skills sharp? Well, definitely start with your company. If your company has professional development programs, ask your manager and ask HR. Your manager's job is not to know what professional development is. That is your HR's job, so ask both. If nothing is available or if you don't like what's available, take the initiative to develop yourself. Don't wait for your company to develop you. And it is absolutely worth it to spend money to invest in yourself because if that $100 or $500 or you know $250 or $50 that you spend on professional development is the difference between you getting a raise or getting a new job or getting a promotion, then it will more than pay for itself. And so don't think about it in terms of price. Think about it in terms of what is the return I can get on this investment, because that is how your company thinking about you. Phoebe, I'm pushing back on you. Tavis Gavin uh, has been our guest uh, in this uh, in this hour. She, she, she politely, politely. Yeah, I, no, I'm just teasing you. Uh, she is a career coach, a speaker, a trainer, specializing as you can hear, specializing in career strategy, negotiation, and empathetic leadership. Let me ask you right quick. I got 30 seconds. Uh, I think I know what you mean by it. I use a term similar. What do you mean by empathetic leadership? We are humans working with other humans, and for some reason, when we go into offices and we go into our jobs, all of a sudden, we stop treating each other like humans, but leaders can make the decision to treat their people like humans, and that is empathetic leadership. She is the founder of Better with Phoebe, her own consulting company. Phoebe Gavin, appreciate your work and witness. Good to have you on the program. Great advice, and, uh, and thank you for it. Thank you. All the best to you. More of Tavis Smiley after news, traffic, and sports. You're listening, and we're glad about it, to KBLA Talk 1580.